change them. I pray this in your great name. Amen. Amen. So glad you guys are here with us this Sunday. This is a, uh, this is a favorite Sunday of mine. I know that many of you look forward to this Sunday. Uh, you are filled with anticipation about uh, today's outcome of one of two possibilities. And I don't know if anybody uh, checked the news this morning, but it was the first thing I did when I woke up, and I actually found the outcome. And so I hope I don't give any spoilers here, but uh, Puxatoni Phil, he, did you guys hear? He didn't see his shadow. We get it early spring. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, okay. That, that joke went better in my head, but... Um, yeah, it, obviously it's Super Bowl Sunday, and we're so excited that you chose to be here at church with us and uh, celebrating the God, not the football God, but you can do that later. Uh, we're going to be continuing on in Luke chapter 4 today, uh, finishing it off, and if you're just joining us or if you need a little bit of a refresher, um, Luke is wanting to give a message. He's writing to this guy named Theopolis, and he's wanting to give a message about who Jesus is, and he wants to make some points, and he wants to make sure that there's some assurances that Theopolis has in his life and also that we can have in our life about Jesus and particularly the fact that Jesus is man, that he came down here and he was fully man, but most importantly that Jesus is also fully God. And so if you were here last week, uh, Matt preached on the beginning of Luke chapter 4 and he talked about the fact that Jesus is in his hometown, it's the Sabbath, he's preaching in a synagogue, and he's preaching to a, a crowd just like you guys, uh, and he's going through the scrolls, and he's uh, reading through some, through some scrolls through Isaiah, and he's preaching this message about um, giving hope to the poor, and allowing the blind to see, and setting captives free, and the people in the audience, are they're, they're enjoying that message. That, that, that sounds pretty good. They're pretty comfortable with that message. And Jesus, being God and being able to have some divine intervention here and seeing into what's really going on in their hearts, what he wants them to see is that he's not just talking about those who are just physically blind or uh, are actually poor, but those in a spiritual sense, those who are spiritually blind, spiritually poor, who are captive by their sin. And so he starts to hit their hearts, and he starts to require change of them. And what we see from last week is that the audience got upset. They, they didn't like those words that were to them. They didn't like what Jesus was saying. And there's something in particular about what they didn't like, because they said, it records in Luke, they said, isn't this just the son of Joseph? Like, who is this guy? Like, Joseph is not really a big name here. Who is this guy to tell us this? What authority does Jesus have? And you see, what Luke wants us to see is that the same problem that that audience had that day, their problem with Jesus' Jesus's authority, that's the same problem that we have going in, on, in our lives today. I was reading an article yesterday, kind of fitting. It was about Aaron Rodgers. If you guys don't know who Aaron Rodgers is, he's, Aaron Rodgers is, he's, a, he's a football star, uh, great athlete, and uh, I think he identified formally as a Christian, but he basically said that he sort of parted ways with Christianity, and uh, he did like a podcast interview earlier in January, and he talked about why, why he had issues with Christianity and why he sort of wanted to separate himself from being called a Christian, 
And so he basically said that uh, Christianity was too binary for him, which I thought was a weird way to describe it. So, but he went on to talk about just some of the outcomes. He didn't like that there would, there's only, you know, the possibility of heaven or hell. There's only um, this or that, and you have to do this thing. And essentially what he's saying is he didn't like the rules of Christianity. He didn't think it was fair for anyone to tell anybody how to live their life. And I thought, this is really interesting coming from a guy whose career is literally defined by playing within the rules of the context of a game. Like, this is a professional athlete saying, I don't like Christianity because I don't like the authority. I don't like the rules of it. This, this guy made the, his career out of it. I, I mean, can you imagine if we go watch the Super Bowl today and uh, the rest get down there like, hey, guys, we're going to do something different today. Uh, some of the players decided that they didn't really like that you could either win or lose. And so we're just not going to have that today. Just play and do what you want, and let's just have a good game and have some fun. Like, I don't think that any of those athletes and probably any of those fans, especially this guy right here, would be happy if there wasn't a team that won today. But many of us have a problem with the authority. We don't, we don't like authority. I see this in my kids. Uh, if any of you have kids or if you've ever really seen a kid in your life, you know that this is an inherent problem in us. I try to tell my kids to do things all the time and the responses I get are, I can't even say them on stage, you guys would think I'm a, I'm a bad parent, but this is inherent in our nature. This is inherent in us. And what Luke wants us to see is we have a big problem with authority and ultimately our problem is with the authority of Jesus. And so today, as we continue on in Luke, I wanna talk about the authority of Jesus. Particularly, I wanna talk about and explore the fact that Jesus is the only one who has the power and authority to rebuke the evil in our lives and completely heal us. So we're going to be doing that today, and I want to ask three questions of you guys. You can write these down if you've got those Luke journals. Uh, Three questions of you guys. The first question being, does Jesus have authority in your life? Does Jesus have authority in your life? Does Jesus have the power to completely heal you? And finally, and I think most importantly, do you want Jesus as your king? So we're going to dive right in, uh, starting out, uh, for those of you who are following along, uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 30, verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum. Remember that he was kicked out and cast out of his, his hometown uh, of Nazareth. And so he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. You see, in, in contrast to last week, immediately when Jesus is preaching, he's doing it again on the Sabbath. He's in this different town, but he's the same process as the last time. And immediately, people are astonished at his authority. They recognize, they see his authority, and they are astonished. And I got to thinking, what makes, what made Jesus' preaching so different? They had probably seen a lot of preachers before, and uh, I, I'm not sure that they would always say that they were astonished at, at, at those preachers. And I got to think, this is kind of, it made me think of my own life and um, my authority as a father. And for those of you who don't know, I have five children, um, and I think that you should be astonished at that, but, 
but somehow I survive, and I really, I do, I try to be a good dad. I try to, to be there for my kids. I've got twin boys, and so I try to, like, treat each one of them independently. This is very important. If you have twins, I can educate you on that. A lot of you guys in here I know have twins, too. It's kind of weird, um, but something in the water, but uh, I try to be, I, I try to, you know, spend some time with each one of my kids and show them the, the, that I'm a responsible dad and that I'm there for them. And so oftentimes I'll be like sitting on the couch watching TV or doing something, and we've got this like basement playroom downstairs, and the kids are always in there screaming and yelling. And then it gets to a certain level where it starts to irritate you, and you hear like maybe someone's broken their leg or something, you're not sure. And so you, you, you go, well, I should probably do something about this. I should probably head down there. And, uh, and so I do what any responsible dad would do in that situation. I send my seven-year-old Olive, and I say, hey, Olive, Go figure out what's going on down there and tell them to knock it off. And so all of she'll go downstairs, and then uh, I think you all can imagine the outcome, but it's just her involved now in the screaming and the yelling, and she's the one screaming and yelling at them, and they're screaming and yelling back on her. And it's because uh, she doesn't possess that authority in her word that dad has. And so dad has to come down, and dad has to bring his authority. And what these people are experiencing experiencing, you know, there is dad's authority in a sense. It's the, his word actually has the authority. This is not delegated authority. So these people get Jesus's authority. I was talking with a guy, actually, I had breakfast with him last, uh, I think last Saturday or something, and we were talking, and he said something that was pretty profound to me. Uh, uh, this guy is just a super humble guy, probably wouldn't want me to say his name, so I won't but I will give you a hint. He leads our parking and safety team, and his name is John Blatchford. And so I was talking with John Blatchford, and, uh, and he said, you know, one of the things, Matt, that's kept me at Outward is that I don't hear what I want to hear, and I hear what I don't want to hear. You see, what John was saying there is sometimes he recognizes that the Word has authority in his life, and sometimes it's not comfortable for him. And sometimes he recognizes that he doesn't want to hear what it has to say. Uh, I teach a class on Sundays called Equip, and we're going through doctrine right now. It's, uh, we're talking about doctrine and really the authority of the word, and I always tell them every week because I, I know that they're going to forget this every week. And I say, um, you know, it doesn't matter your opinion of the word. It matters only what the Word says. Because a God that you're comfortable with, a God that you like, is a God that you've created. And see, this takes a lot of spiritual maturity, but oftentimes we don't always think this way. In fact, most of my life, I can tell you, I did not want to live under the authority of Word, of the Word. I, I, I did not want to live under Jesus' authority. There was, some, there was something about it. I, I just, I wanted to run away. I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want anybody like Aaron Rodgers to tell me what to do. I had some wishes and some dreams, and I didn't want anything to get in the way of that. What makes us so scared of the authority of the word of Jesus? Why do we have a problem with it? Why don't we want to hear it? Let's take a look at verse 33. 
And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. What you need to know about that, it's not that the demon didn't take showers in the morning. It's that this demon was opposed to Jesus, that he was opposed to the Holy One of God. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you done with us? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Why don't we want to hear Jesus' word? Luke shows us right here. We think that Jesus has come to destroy us. You may not outright think that right now. You may not think, oh, he's not going to kill me or murder me. But what Luke wants us to see here is that we think that the word of God is going to destroy that dream house of ours. We think that the word of God is going to get in the way of our perfect relationship. Yeah, yeah, we, we know that this guy isn't right for us, and we know that he's, he's not doing the right things, and I shouldn't be with him, but I, I really want him, so I'm going to know, ignore that part of the scriptures that, talks, that speaks into that. I'm going to ignore those people that give me wisdom in my life, and I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Or yeah, this job is going to sacrifice my family and it's going to make me not be able to attend church anymore and it's going to make me not be able to uh, be a good father and do the things that I need to do, but I really want that because I need that financial security. And Jesus has come to destroy that, so I'm going to keep that part of my life. Or maybe it's that we think he's going to destroy our reputation. We're stuck in a shame cycle. When Jesus comes in and he shines on that area of my life that I've been keeping, that I've been hiding, what are people going to think of me? It's going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my career. It's going to destroy my family. Jesus has come to destroy us. But what has Jesus actually come to do? We see this. In verse 35, but Jesus, hear that, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. You see, what did sin actually do there? This is the oldest trick of the devil. We think that Jesus has come to destroy us. And really what it is, it's the sin in our lives. We wanted that dream house. We forgot about the mortgage that came along with it, right? And so then we've got to get a better job. Stresses us out start getting angry, we start abandoning our family, and sooner or later, our life comes crushing down and we're underneath the captivity of sin. What Luke wants us to see here is that when the demon threw the man down, when, this, when he had no more captivity on him, he wanted to harm him, but he kneeled there before Jesus, and Jesus with a word 
with his power and his authority, left the man unharmed. And this word is what captivated people. It's what they saw. How can this man do this? How can Jesus do this? How does he cast out the the demons with just his words? And they recognized again his power and authority. And the word got out. And many of us have, we, we might say, yeah, I get that Jesus has saved me but we still struggle with some things. And Luke wants to address that. In verse 38, he says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law, this is Simon Peter, he was an apostle, just so you know, she was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. There's a, uh, a few things to note in this passage that are really important. One is that this is a high fever. Luke is a physician, and so he's, he wants you to recognize that this isn't just like any fever. This just isn't uh, like a man cold. Uh, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, my wife always makes fun of me when I'm sick. She's not here today, so I get to kind of rag on her a little bit. Um, she always makes fun of me, and she's like, oh, you got a man cold again. In fact, I, uh, do any of you guys, do you guys get this from your wife's too, or is it just my wife that haggles me? Thank you. Okay, I'm not alone in this. Like, the last time uh, I was really sick was when she was pregnant with our fifth kid, June. Uh, sorry, I talk about my kids a lot. They're all that's on my mind. But <laughs> she, was, she was pregnant, and so she's sitting there, you know, like 40 weeks pregnant. I'm, I'm laying on the bed. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm, this is terrible. And, and she's like, oh, really? I'm about to push out a baby. <laughs> and of course, then she gets sick and pushes out a baby with this deadly fever that I had. So this is not a man cold. No, this is a high fever. This is something that would have left you uh, unconscious, hallucinating, drooling, all that kind of weird stuff that happens when you're really sick, right? And so Luke wants you to pay particular uh, attention to that. And the fact that she went on and she arose immediately. See, she, what, what you see here is that that fever is not remain, has not remained in her. The fever that she had is now completely gone. It has no effect on her anymore. Jesus rebuked the fever, and that's an interesting word he used there again. If you remember, previously he rebuked the demon, and now he's rebuking a fever. And Luke is making a connection here, and what, you, what he wants you to see is that that same evil that he rebuked in the demon is the same evil that he's rebuking in the fever. Luke wants you to see that there's a brokenness in this world that Jesus has complete authority and power over. And Jesus rebuked that fever, and she was immediately healed but many of us don't see it that way. We know Jesus. We know who he is. We know that he has saved us from something, but maybe that was a one-time thing. And so we, we say things like, well, that's just the way I, that I am, or, you know, I'm always going to struggle with this. I hear this one a lot. I'm always going to struggle with this. 
we don't see that Jesus has completely healed us. We think that that sin is always going to have a grasp on us. And so we take those areas of sin, those areas that we don't believe Jesus is going to heal, and we compartmentalize them, and we just accept that that's a part of us, and we continue to struggle with them. I'm pretty familiar with this uh, in, in my life. Recently, I, I just was undergoing a lot of stress and just all this stuff that was going on. And to be honest, we don't talk about this uh, a lot as pastors, but I was struggling with my weight. And it's not something that we often think is a sin issue or that, that we, we like to talk about. But what I was really noticing is that I would get stressed out and I would come home and I would eat and I just didn't want to do anything. And there was just a lot going on in my life. And I read a book at the time. It's a great book. I, I recommend you all read it. It's called The Pursuit of Holiness. And the author addresses this. And he says, you know, oftentimes we, we kind of accept our sin and we say things like, it's defeated me or we use words like, I'm finally feeling some victory over that. And what he said is, don't you dare take that away from Jesus. Don't you dare take away what he has done for you. You see, I'd forgotten that Jesus had completely healed me. And we may not see it exactly like this situation. This is prescriptive, not descriptive. But it's this idea of progressive sanctification that Jesus ultimately has the power and authority to completely heal you. And we forget that. And so we hide areas of our life, and we just we think that that's going to be the way it is, and we accept that. And Luke addresses this, picking up in verse 40. Now when the sun was setting... All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. You see, the word is getting out about the power and authority of Jesus here. And so now everybody's coming. You now everybody's starting to see what Jesus can actually do. And my, my wife and I were going over this passage, and we were just talking about it, and she said that this, this part, this verse in particular, stuck out to her because she started to realize that there were some things in her life that she just did not believe that Jesus had the power and authority to heal. And we were talking about, what do we do in that situation? Many of us like to self-heal. Because when we think we are the authority and we think we are the power or we don't see the power and authority of Jesus, we go other places. For me, uh, in, in my life, it's been vegging out on Netflix after a long day at work and the kids are stressing me out. And I come home and I sit there and I want to self-heal and I can sit. And then you, you see that line that says, like, like, are you still watching? And you're like, oh, crap, I yeah, yeah, I am still watching. Can you click it anyways, even though you feel that shame? <laughs> like, like, they do that on purpose, I think. Um, and, 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 then I've, and then I've got to eat something because I just don't feel good, and the, the Netflix didn't work, and so I get in this cycle of just kind of Netflix and, and all this stuff that goes along with it, 
or, or I just don't want to pay attention to my family, and I just want to do what's right for me. I want to self-heal in that situation. And I don't go to the power and authority of Jesus. But Luke wants you to see that Jesus wants every bit of you, that Jesus sees every problem that you have, and whether it's spiritual oppression, whether it's a high fever, whether it's anxiety, depression, your eating habits, you just watch too much Netflix, you care a little bit too much about football, I'm not looking at anybody. (laughs) Whatever it is, Jesus wants you to come to him with that. And these people see that here. All who are coming to him with various diseases, look what Jesus can do. He wants to heal you. He has the power and authority to heal you. And I just want to point out that I don't think that medicine or other things aren't good, and I I believe that Jesus heals us through those things. So just so we're clear, Jesus has the power and authority to heal you, and he does those through people, through people today, through medicine. Ibuprofen is magic. Let me tell you, it is a living miracle. You want to ask if Jesus still does miracles today? Have you ever had pain, and then you take like three or four ibuprofen, and it's gone? Like, Jesus is alive and well, and he's performing miracles today. Amen? (laughs) Ibuprofen. Okay. What's interesting is that as I read over this passage, particularly verse 40, I missed something like three or four times, just completely missed it. And I think there's something to that. You see, it says, Now when the sun was setting, anyone who were sick or anyone who had issues, right? That's how I kept reading it. No, it says, All those who had any who were sick. All those who had any who were sick. You see, what happens is when Jesus starts changing you, when Jesus starts healing you, when he begins to use his power and authority in your life, people see it. People see, what what happened to that guy? He he used to be an idiot. He used to be so dumb. I'm kind of thinking of myself in this situation. And look look what he's doing now. What happened to him? And you begin to see what Jesus has done in your life. You begin to see the power and authority that he has, and it begins to change you. And you begin to see what he's done, and you say, come to Jesus. You see what this guy does? He heals. He has power and authority unlike anyone else. Come see Jesus. Look at him. I want to bring you to him. But oftentimes, we don't do that, do we? We don't see the power and authority of Jesus in our lives. And we want to keep him to ourselves. Let's see what Luke says about this in verses 40, verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. You see, oftentimes the way that we see Jesus, and I think the problem that we can have with this, is that we are the power and we are the authority and we just take Jesus out of our magic pill bottle when we need him. We just want to keep him to ourselves. Jesus is just here to fix our problems. 
Jesus is just here to make us feel better. And we're not bringing all who had any. We're not even bringing ourselves. We're self-healing. We're our self-authority. We've determined that we have it figured out. And Jesus says something to that. Jesus wants us to see it differently. See, we want Jesus for our own purposes a lot of the times. Jesus says, I've come for a different purpose. Look at verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Not for your purpose. I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus has a different purpose for us. Jesus wants to bring his kingdom. He wants to preach the good news. And in that kingdom, yes, people are going to be healed. And in that kingdom, yes, Sin is destroyed, and in that kingdom, all the brokenness of this world that Luke is trying to point out here, Jesus has the authority and the power over. But it's not just about what you want and what you desire and what you see. It's about his kingdom. And what do we get when we get the kingdom of God, when we get his kingdom? We get Jesus as king. That sounds really simple, right? Like I just played around with a few words there. But we get Jesus of King. I hope that this excites you. And I want you to know why this excites you. Because when Jesus is your king, he's not just a king with his authority and power sitting up there trying to make a bunch of arbitrary rules for us, playing around with our lives, disconnected from us personally. That's not King Jesus. Now, you see what happens when Jesus is your king? He comes down. He gives up his authority and his power. He lives the life that you and I can't, that we continue to try to do. We continue to fail. He does it for us. He fights all the temptation. He's mocked. He's made fun of. He's kicked out of his hometown, constantly running from town to town, constantly trying to be murdered, and ultimately and willingly he goes to the cross. And Jesus the King gives up his authority, gives up his power, and he's hung there He's bruised, he's broken, people are spitting on him, and he is destroyed so that you can be healed. You see, Jesus doesn't come to destroy you, Jesus was destroyed for you. This is why we want Jesus as our king. Because when Jesus did that, he knew that his kingdom would come and all the sickness of this world and all the brokenness of this world would be gone. But most importantly, you get to know him again. 
You get Jesus as your king. You get to have a personal relationship with God. Do you want Jesus as your king? Do you want him as your king? Do you see his authority and power? Do you know that it can completely heal you? Think about that today. Ask yourself these questions. Is Jesus your king? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are king. That you have the authority and the power to heal us. God, I thank you so much that you care deeply about us, that you want to know us, that you want to be with us. So much so that you came down here and you paid for our sins all that we hold on to. You paid for those on the cross, God. And you invite us into your kingdom where we're completely healed, God, where we're one of yours, where we get to be called a son of God. And God, we, we look forward to the day when every tear has been shed. God, when you return, and you make everything right, God. But we enjoy taking part in the building of your kingdom today. I pray that today that the sin in people's lives would be revealed, that they would see the truth of you, God, that they would see where they have been hiding their sin, where they have been not addressing it, where they have not believing the, the trueness of your authority and your power and your ability to completely heal and separate us from, your, from our sin, God pray that people would see that today, that sin would be confessed, and that lives would be changed because of your word, your great word. We pray this in your name. Amen.